Were you glad to be here today? God is good today. Amen? He is good, good, good today. You know, we've been, um, we've been in a series leading up to our vision night where I've been taking the passage out of Luke chapter 15, the 99 and 1, and just, you know, looking at looking at the purpose that God has for humanity. We realize that, that God's main purpose in the earth is people. You can, you can talk about a lot of other things that you think that God is concerned about, but people are concerned about a lot of issues. But God's concerned about one thing. His focus and concern is people. And we can build churches and build buildings and, you know, and, and we build them to fill them up. And we're here this year, 2013, to fill this building up. That's a good thing, amen? And we, we've got vision to fill this building up. We've been in here for a little over a year. And as we've set things and established things, we're, we're ready for the future. And we want to see people come because all a full building means is that there's more people that have the potential to be liberated and free in their lives. And so, but, you know, our motive for people has to be something that's pure. Because when, when motive is not pure, it's not just about building something. It's not just about gathering people together. It's with a purpose. And the Great Commission, Matthew 28, we've been talking about that a little bit in the last few weeks. The Great Commission that Jesus left his disciples... In fact, let's look at that in Matthew 28 because I want to make a point here. Great Commission. Was the last thing that Jesus left his disciples to do. And I'm telling you, he hasn't changed his mind. What he left them to do, he's left for us to do. And, you know, over time and over the last 2,000 years, things have changed somewhat. You know, doesn't change what the commission is, but times change. Culture changes. And so we're in a time in the history of the world where people, people need God more than ever before. And a lot of people don't know that they need God, so we've got a responsibility to help people to see what their need truly is. And in Matthew 28 and verse 18, Jesus came and he spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Turn back into Matthew to the 16th chapter and verse 18. Matthew 16 and 18. And Jesus said to Peter, I also say to you that you're Peter, and on this rock will I build my church, I will build my church that the gates of hell shall not prevail against, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom, and what you bind is bound, and what you loose is loosed. So 
There's two things that we've been talking a little bit about, and I'm just reviewing a little here. But there's two things that we've been discussing, and it's something that I just, I will continue to repeat and that we'll lead into on, on vision. I, there's two things that I want you to, to really get in your heart, and it's this. God is building his church. We are here to make disciples. God is building his church. We're not building the church. God is building the church. But God is building the church and will only build the church with discipled people. God cannot build the church with unrenewed people. Now, God takes unrenewed people like all of us have been and all of us still are in different ways where, where our minds are being renewed. But God takes unrenewed people from day one and begins to use them. But he's building his church that the gates of hell shall not prevail against. So I'm going to say it again. The Great Commission was not for us to baptize people in water and fight over how we were going to baptize them. In the name of Jesus, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, in the name of the Holy Ghost, in the name of this, that, the other. The, the, the Great Commission was not about water baptism. And, and you, you might have been taught that or heard that, but it wasn't about water baptism. It was about immersing people in the revelation of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And then Jesus earlier had told Peter, on this rock, the rock of revelation, I'll build my church that the gates of hell shall not prevail against. So you're in my responsibility in discipling people, in renewing the mind of an individual person, is that they become immersed and understand who Father, Son, and Holy Ghost are. Because, you know, we don't talk, I mean, in, 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 you know, regular English today, people don't talk Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. They don't even know what that, that kind of sounds scary, you know. So we've got to teach people, we've got to know for ourselves, and then we've got to teach other people who Father, Son, and Holy Ghost are, and what their roles and responsibility are, and where they're at, and what they're really about, so that our thinking can change, so that God can build His church. Because you can have a building and you can have a full building, but if people just stay unrenewed and undiscipled and they get born again but their thinking stays the same, then there's not a lot that God can build a kingdom that the gates of hell can't prevail against. We can build gatherings of people, but are the gates of hell continuing to prevail? Everybody doesn't understand that, that wording all the time. Not everybody understands about the gates of hell and what all that is. But you and I have to learn. That's why, that's why we have to value the house and value the purpose of the house and what's behind the vision of the house. Because the more you value it, then the more stock you put in it, the more people you'll bring so that they get connected and that they, their lives change and their thinking changes. And they become more immersed in who Father, Son, and Holy Ghost are than they do, you know, uh, whether the 49ers or the Ravens win. The 49ers and Ravens are a great tool. And listen, I love sports. I've been in sports all my life, and I love sports. Thank God for sports. Everybody say that. I love sports, okay? But not sports, not education, not anything else will liberate you like the revelation of who Father, Son, and Holy Ghost are. And that's our role. That's what we've been sent to the earth to do. And we've got to be busy about it. But 
as we talk in, as as we discuss implementation of vision on the 17th we're going to talk about what that discipleship process looks like we've been through the years a church that is known one of our one of the statements in our core values is that we disciple people with the power of God's word we've done we've had that we've had that in our core value and vision statements since we started here and discipleship today looks a little different than it did 23 years ago. But discipleship is still the same, the, 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 the purpose is the same, and the meaning is the same in what God intended to see lives change. We just have to understand how to implement that, but we've got to have it in our heart that this is a true statement. That it's true that we were here and we were sent here, and our purpose on this earth is to make disciples. Can you say amen? amen? So, two things that we have to be. Number one, we must be friends with unbelievers. But number two, we must be like Christ. We must be Christ-like. There's two things that people that are discipling other people have to be. is They have to be friends to sinners or friends to unbelievers. You have to develop friendships. You don't have to be, I'm not talking you got to spend all your time with people, but you have to develop relationship and friendship with people that are not believers. That's what Jesus did. And it made the Pharisees, it made the Pharisees angry and mad. And, 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 and they were complainers anyway, but it made them complain even more about what he was doing. But I want to follow his pattern and, and, and not the patterns of men. So we must be friends with unbelievers, and we must be like Jesus. We must develop a Christ-like attitude and mentality. There's three things here also that the church, the organized church, has to bring to the table. We have to bring certain things to the table that I believe are vitally important. Number one... Is found in, in uh, Psalm 92. Turn there with me. Just watch on the screen. Psalm 92. And verse 13. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of their God. There's something about being planted in the house that will cause the rest of your life to flourish. Now, what the church responsibility is, is that we've got to make and, and create an environment that people want to be planted into. Because if the environment is not pleasing, if there's not a desire to be planted, if there's not things that people want to connect to, then, then they're not going to be. And, and what happens is there's a hindrance in flourishing in the other areas of your life. Because the courts of your God, the courts of our God are everything that's outside of this place. God wants people flourishing. And the church has a, responsibil a responsibility to create an environment that people want to be planted in so that they can flourish. Then people become convinced. 1 Timothy 
chapter 3, familiar verse that we read at different times. But 1 Timothy 3 and verse 15 says this, But if I'm delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. He said that the house of God is the church. The house of God is the church. Ephesians 1 says that the church is his body. The fullness of him fills all and is in all. So the house of God is the church of God, which is the body of Jesus Christ, which is the pillar of truth that people need. More than anything, there has to be truth and understanding so that people can be immersed in the revelation of who God is and what God will do for them because God wants people to flourish. We see in the scripture that we just read in Psalm 92, when you're planted in the house of God, which is the church, which is his body, which is the pillar of truth, okay, then you're going to flourish in the other things that you do. The church has got to be inviting and the church has to be successful and the church has to be something that people, when they come in, they can sink their teeth into and realize, you know what, there's something here that I've never had before. There's something that's here that I need that is missing in my life because I'm telling you, there's not a human being ever created by anybody but God. And the Bible says on the tablets of our heart, are written down inside of us the ways of God. So, so people that don't know God, that have never been born again, are walking around with a void on the inside and they don't even know it. And so they try to fill it with many other things. And what the church is becoming in this day and hour, the church that I'm associated with and the people and the great men and women of God that I'm associated with are creating environments for people to come into and connect themselves to and say, you know what? something there that I want that I've never had before. And I need that. And, I, and I'm watching other people flourish and I'm watching this thing and that thing happen and, and I want what they have. And listen, listen, you, you can say that the church can say that we're, we're not about prospering and we're not about advancing. We just want to see people saved. But I'm, I'm telling you, people won't come to something that's not advancing and prospering. They won't connect to it. So what the church's responsibility to bring to the table is something that is flourishing. Something that is, is happening. Something that is creating an environment that people want. And the environment that we're creating today is not the same environment that we would have been creating 30 years ago. Right? Times change. Do they change? Times change. Things change. Attitudes change. People's hair change. What you wear changes. You know? I mean, you know, today I have a suit on. People are looking at me thinking, what's he got that suit on for? You know? I didn't know he wore suits. I didn't either. I just went to my closet today and put a suit on. You know? But you know what? It really doesn't matter except the fact that what you wear and the threads you wear make a statement. You know? So... It's good to mix it up every once in a while and put a suit on or whatever it is. But, but, but the deal is that the society that we're ministering to today, most people don't wear suits except when they go to work. 
right? Most people don't wear suits at work either, but if you wear a suit, most of the time, it's when you go to work. And so the thinking has changed. Where when, I, when I was first born again in the church, man, every time you came, you wore a suit. The first 18 years of my life, I never wore a suit. I didn't like suits. I didn't like ties. I mean, they choked me. I didn't even know how to tie one. And then I came into the church, and everybody wore suits, so we wore suits. But that was then. This is now. We do things a little bit different, making changes and adjustments. But it's all about, it's all about the house, the church, which is his body, which is the pillar of truth, which will immerse people in the revelation who Father, Son, and Holy Ghost is so that they can make a turnaround and changes in their life and understand who God is, and then they'll flourish in the courts of their God. Hmm? Then people will begin to flourish, and then we're not going to be moved by what the economy does. We're not going to be moved by how, much, how many trillions and trillions of dollars of debt that the, that the government and that the consumer world is in. We're not going to be moved by those kind of things because the world that we're framing is being framed by God's word and what God says, and we're going to believe what God says over what anything else looks like. Amen? And it's time that the church... And, and it, it's not time, it's been time, and it's happening, and, and, and in fact, the church is doing that. And, and no matter what you think is going on out there, I'm telling you, the church is arising. You know why? Because we're making disciples of people. You know, the simple little truth that I just shared with you out of, out of Proverbs 3 about honoring God, honoring the house, being as concerned about his house as you are about your house, then he'll get involved in what you're doing. Most people have never allowed God to be involved in their lives. So as the church's responsibility, because the church is the house, which is the pillar of truth, we got to bring truths like that, even when they go a little bit against the grain. And, 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 and with all, the, with all the, uh, the, the word and statement in, in our society that, you know, all preachers want is your money, and that's what a lot of people think. Even, even, because, even the fact that things are still out there like that and people still have those mindsets, they're not going to intimidate us to talk about money because we're not after people's money. We're after helping people to get God involved in their lives so God is not taking things from them because he doesn't do that. That's just what people think, but God's getting things over to them. Amen? God wants to get into our life and not take something from our life. But I'm telling you, the devil is robbing people and, 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 and destroying people from the inside out. And so we come in, make disciples, clean up the inside, and all of a sudden, mind begins to be renewed and people get liberated and free. That's why we go after people. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Psalm 68, another thing that the church brings to the table. Psalm 68. You learning something today? Psalm 68. And verse 6. God sets, verse 6, God sets the solitary in families. And he brings those who are bound into prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. 
God sets the solitary in families. I like the Amplified. God places the solitary in families and gives the desolate a home in which to dwell. That's what the church is about. We're a family, we're a home, we're a house, we're the house of God. And God sets in the church and in families and in the right places, he sets those who have been desolate, those who have been without, those who have been by themselves in a place so that they can what? They can come out of the bondage into a place of prosperity and liberation. And it's the church, it's our responsibility, I know I'm repeating myself, but I'm saying this to you again, it's our responsibility to realize God is building his church, we're making disciples. We've talked about the process of discipleship. We're here to go out, we're here not to stay inside, we're we're here to be outside, we're here to affect the lives of people, we're here to see people get born of the Spirit of God, but beyond born again... We have a responsibility to see people immersed in who Father, Son, and Holy Ghost are. And it just takes time to develop that. And there's certain levels that every person can be involved in. And and on Vision Night, we will talk about implementation of how every person in the body, in the house, can be a part of making disciples. So that people not only are getting born again, but their lives are being changed and transformed. Amen? And that's the purpose of the church. We can see it very clearly. You know what? It's a simple plan, but the natural mind can make it more difficult than it really is. But it's actually a very simple plan. And and it's 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 to me, it it the plan is so amazing that it never ends. And the plan can the vision stays, the vision evolves. But, but the cause of people stays the same. It just, the vision evolves, and, and the vision it can evolve from one month to the next. You can make changes from one month to the next about how your attitude and how you focus on the lives of others because of who comes in contact, you come in contact with. Jeremiah 23, look at this verse. Just a couple more and I'm done. Jeremiah 23. I like this passage. Verse 1 through 4 right here. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of Israel against the shepherds who feed my people, you've scattered my flock, driven them away, and not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you, I will attend to you for the evil of your doings, says the Lord. Verse 3, but I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all countries where I've driven them and bring them back to their folds, and they shall be fruitful and they shall increase And I will set up shepherds over them who will feed them. And they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, nor shall they be lacking, says the Lord. Actually, what those four verses are talking about is what I've just been talking to you about. God said, you know what? You were shepherds that didn't 
that you were shepherds feeding, but you didn't feed them with what they needed. And you and I have been empowered, every one of us at different levels have been empowered to shepherd the lives of other people, as the scripture says here. But it's really discipling them. It's really being involved in their lives. I, I, I made this comment a few weeks back, and I said, have you ever met someone, have you ever met someone or come across somebody that has been ministering to someone else, and they're in this real downer state? You know, like, Chad comes to me and he says, yeah, Pastor, <sighs> believe in God for this guy for two years, and he finally got born again, and now I've been able to pray with him, he's gotten healed in his body and all of a sudden these great things are happening no 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 when something like that happens there's an excitement there's 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 something that happens to you because it's what you were created for see something gets turned on the inside and all of a sudden you get your focus off yourself and onto what you were created to do and that was to make disciples all of us all of us are ministers. The Bible says we're ministers of righteousness. And, and we're here to lead people out of unrighteousness into righteousness. So as, as we get involved in the lives of other people, not only do they get free, but you get free. How many times you, you ever took the time to minister into someone else's life and share things with them? And all of a sudden, as they're asking you questions and you're giving them answers, you're getting convicted about something that you think of that you're not doing exactly right. Hey, Don, how are you guys? <laughs> I mean, I've just been preaching right by you over there. Good to see you guys. This is friends of ours from Boston, Massachusetts. Amen? Good to see you guys today. Anyway, <clears throat> they distracted me. Um, what, what was I saying? Yeah, and so, you know, you're, you're ministering life to someone else, and and... And all of a sudden, you realize you need to work on the same thing. So not only, not only are you anointed to liberate and see other people liberated and disciple them. Because, see, we're not discipling people after ourselves. See, see, if I was making a disciple in someone else's life of me, then, man, all of a sudden, I'd find myself disqualified as I was sharing with them. See, but I'm discipling them after him. And, and, and so the more we stay involved in that process, the more liberated that we become in our lives. Because most people's problem is too much about themselves. They're so focused on themselves, they can't see past their own nose and their own need and the things that are going on in their own lives. And God wants you and I to be busy helping people be set in church, in a family, in a place where they're not in a solitary place, they're not in a lonely place, they're not off by themselves, they're not being attacked by the enemy, but coming in and finding out who daddy is, who son is, who Holy Ghost is, and what they'll do for them, and how the Holy Spirit will reveal to them things that they never knew before. Oh, my lands. I mean, people are just waiting for the manifestation of this in their life, and they don't even know it. And so really what they're waiting for is your obedience to find them out. I don't know, I, and I'm not talking about just going knocking on doors and finding somebody. I mean, all you got to do is just open your eyes and you'll find somebody. 
Just be nice to somebody. You know? I told you, I've been at the same place for a year. A year, I've been at the same place. And I hooked a guy about two weeks ago. I mean, it just, it just happened. And, and it, it, it wasn't about preaching at the guy. It was just being friendly. You know, and I get coffee there all the time, and, and, and I mean, I'm there all the time, and we talk, and one thing leads to another, th- you know, and then over time, he asks questions about stuff, and then, and then it just opens up. And you know what? I've never, I've never taken more than two minutes with the guy, ever. I've never, ha- I've never had a conversation that lasted longer than two minutes. Two minutes. How many, how many people have two minutes you can spare? Two minutes. Hey, man, how's it going? Oh, great, great, great. Yeah, you know, it's a rotten day today. Yeah. Just blow it off. Yeah, that's what I would do. See you. <laughs> Leave him a tip. I mean, that, that is pretty much the conversation, you know? Until they can't figure you out. And it usually takes about eight months for them to not be able to figure it out. And then they have to ask you, so what do you do? Well, we'll talk about that later. Let's go eat lunch or something. So now i got a lunch date with a guy. Poof, hooked him. Right? And all, all it just takes is the anointing. And then that anointing, as he teaches you through those type of experiences, then when those people really come in your life and you start discipling, say, don't send them to me. Don't send them to me. You understand? Do not send them to me. You take care of them. You minister life to them. You understand? You'd be a friend to them, that kind of thing. I don't, I don't mean not come to church and if they got specific needs or whatever, we got all that handled here and, and that kind of thing. But I'm just saying, on a day-to-day friendly basis, you be there in their life and you disciple them. That's your responsibility. And the more you do that, the more discipled you become. Amen? So, back to Luke. Well, we weren't there today, but Luke 15, and I'm going to end with this. Luke 15, and I'm just going to read these first seven verses again. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and he eats with them. But the sinners and unbelievers, they drew near to hear him. Same thing with you. Hmm? If you'll you'll be friends of unbelievers and you'll be Christ-like, they'll want to hear what you have to say. Simple, right? This, as a congregation, as a church of people here at Gates of the City, this is where we're at in this body today. We're at this point when God is, where God is mobilizing this church body to be a friend to sinners and to be Christ-like. Very simple, but it's where we're at. And, and, you have to 
So value the house of God, which is the church, which is his body, which is the pillar of truth. As you value that and you hear what we're saying, you'll get on board and be a part of that. Very simple. It's, it's not really a lot of pressure, and it's actually, as Jan said at Word First Conference, it, it's really sweatless. And, and, and the future is about sweatless victories. Because we're ridding ourselves, the church is ridding itself of everything that would hinder it to where we just become simple and to the point, and we're after people, whatever it takes. Right? No matter what it takes. We're just for people. How many people do you know of right now that need what is being worked out in you? The things that are being worked on in you because you're connected to the pillar of truth, the house, the church, the body of Jesus. Because you're connected to that. How many people do you know today that need what you have? Just, I don't care if you've been saved for a week or you've been saved for 25 years. People need what we have. And the house and valuing the house is the key to the success outside of the house. People ask me a lot. Well, not so much anymore. But people used to ask me a lot. You know, what, what, what's so important in regards to the organized church? Well, I just told you. I just told you. I just shared with you the simple foundational revelation of the importance of the organized church because God is building it. God is building it. And he's not building ministries and he's not building this, he's building his church. And there's something about it that's amazing. And you know what? The church has got issues. The church has had problems. We've made mistakes along the way. But I'm telling you, it's the best thing going. <laughs> Huh? Even, if not, even at the place of it not being in its perfected state, but it's in, it's in its maturing state, it's the best thing going. There's not anything like the church, anything. And the more we become a part of it, the more you're involved in the house and you invest into the house, the more God will be invested into what you do. So there'll be no limitations to what you do when you value what God is really concerned about. In, in Old Testament and Chronicles, it says his heart is in his house and his eyes are upon it. And we see in 1 Timothy 3 and 15 that his house is the church. God is building his church that the gates of hell shall not prevail against. Yeehaw! Hmm? As we say here in Texas, yeehaw! Giddy up, baby. We're here to be the church, and we are. We are the church. We're accomplishing great and mighty things because, because when you're the church, not trying to build it, but you're the church and you're making disciples and you're putting it all together, you're putting it together according to his master plan, then there's nothing that can defeat it. Man. And you know what he gives us? He says, and I give you the keys to this kingdom. And what you bind is bound. What you loose is loosed. Oh, man. So now we're privileged people, see? We're privileged. We've been given the authority. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, we know, but he's given the authority to the sons of man. We have the authority. What we say goes. You know what? We pray for Washington. We believe for Washington. We pray for people in authority. We don't criticize them. We don't come against them. There's no reason to come against them, but I'm telling you, they are not the final authority. 
and they, they govern the world that we live in, but they don't govern my world. My world is framed by the word of truth. And then I can tell other people that without sounding like I'm some part of some militia group, you know, that wants to draw people away from the government and all these. I'm not saying that. But I'm telling you, if you let what the government says control your life, you'll live in fear constantly. But the word of God, the pillar of truth that comes from the house, as we value the house, as we're planted in the house, we begin to flourish in the courts of our God in ways, in supernatural ways that, man, it just seems like, how did this happen? I don't, I don't know. Because uh, the economic indicator said you couldn't do that. Oh, yeah, yeah, but God said I could. <laughs> God said his desire is wealth and riches be in my house. Come on, right? That's God's desire. I mean, how many like wealth? Okay, all the rest of you didn't raise your hand. You're liars, okay? <laughs> listen, listen. I've been with and I've been without, okay? And with is always better, okay? Always. Now, there's times when you're without that you're working through some things, and there's some great times. Those are some great times when you're working through something. But, but I'm telling you, no one was created for lack. Nobody. We were all created to be on top, to live prosperous, to be overcomers at all times. Nobody was meant to live in lack in the name of Jesus. Can you say amen today? So our purpose and plan, <clears throat> our vision of where we're going, what we're moving into, is people that are friends with unbelievers and people that develop Christ-likeness so we can immerse people in the understanding of who Father, Son, and Holy Ghost truly are. Can you say amen? Just bow your head for a moment. Father, we thank you for this great <clears throat> and awesome day. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy in our lives. Lord, <clears throat> every day, the amazing promise in your word that every day your mercy and grace are fresh and new for us. No matter what we've done, no matter where we've been, no matter how difficult something has been one day, the next day, your mercy and your grace is new and fresh. Father, I thank you that you've empowered us to be friends with sinners and to be Christ-like people that minister life and minister it in such a way that people's lives get turned around and changed. Today, Lord, I thank you for every person at the sound of my voice that you have anointed them and empowered them. You've anointed and empowered them to make a difference in this community and in any and every community that we find ourselves in. 